Welcome to the Wedding Digest by Wedbooker, the podcast that covers the exciting, challenging, and sometimes stressful aspects of planning a wedding, bringing you inspiration and advice from a wedding planner and other industry guests to help you save time, money, and your sanity. Brought to you by Wedbooker.com, the place to book your dream wedding team with over 400 professional suppliers and venues at your fingertips. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for episode four of the Wedding Digest. I'm Lucy, a presenter, producer and a champagne popper. And with me, as always, is our very own encyclopedia of wedding wisdom, Ali. Oh, I cannot believe we're on episode four already, yet we have so much to cover. Last episode, we dove really deep into finding that perfect wedding venue to match your dream wedding. And we also got to chat to the amazing Ed from Poho Flowers. I hope you guys found that as helpful and as informative as I did. I'm going to be taking some of those tips myself. He was just amazing. Yeah. And if there is a supplier you'd like us to get on the Wedding Digest, we'd love your suggestions. Just hit us up at the Wedbooker Instagram page. But let's focus on today's pod. We are going to zone in on the benefits and considerations of a DIY wedding versus an all-inclusive wedding. We also caught up with the amazingly talented makeup artist, Ashley Quinn, and she shares all her tips on how to prep for your wedding day, that skincare, makeup trials, and then also talks about makeup trends and so much more. But first, I want all your knowledge and advice on DIY wedding. Let's get into it. Okay, Ali, so a do-it-yourself wedding. Personally, this idea daunted me from the very beginning. I already crossed that off my list of options when I got engaged, but so many brides do choose to do a do-it-yourself wedding and they have that creative flair and they know what they want and they enjoy the experience. So on that, let's talk about it. What are some of the benefits of a do-it-yourself wedding? A DIY wedding does give you that complete creative control. So it allows you Mm. to build your dream wedding literally from the ground up. So absolutely everything, every tiny detail that you envision, you can make come to life because there are no borders. You can be creating everything you want to be absolute perfection, but a do-it-yourself wedding is, is probably the easiest way to make that perfect vision come to life. This is definitely made for those brides who have, firstly, time. This is going to take you, mm. I would say, 50% longer than anyone who's going for an all-inclusive wedding. That's a really rough really? percentage. Yeah. But it takes so much time because there is nothing, there's nothing there. There's no skeleton for you to work from. So, things that people, when they go for an all-inclusive wedding, have there, I've just a structure and a venue and a kitchen in the back and maybe an AV system. You don't have any of that. So, your list of suppliers doubles and the list of things you need to bring yeah. into the space doubles. So, you need to have that time. You need to have the time to commit to it and you also need to have the time to make that vision come to life. So, if you're planning on creating a wedding in three or four months from the time you're engaged to the day you say, I do, a do-it-yourself completely start to finish wedding is just not going to be realistic. I would be allowing yourself at least 12 months if you're looking at building this from the ground up and have a really clear vision before you start. I think if you're doing a do-it-yourself wedding and you start um, creating one section and you might go, I I love the idea of a a teepee and I love these flowers and you find you book a venue or a space um, purely based on that and you haven't thought through the sound and will the sound travel out of your marquee and down a valley, you might end up having to put in a much bigger sound system than you even considered and we all know that means your budget is going to absolutely blow out. Is a do-it-yourself wedding more expensive than an all-inclusive wedding? It's really dependent on 
what the do-it-yourself wedding looks like and what scale that is being being done to. So how many people are coming? A do-it-yourself wedding can be a really, really cost-effective way to have you know 20, 30, 40 people in your backyard, um, everything handmade, everything really simple and beautiful and just keep it really low-key. That will definitely be cheaper than an all-inclusive wedding. That being said, if you're wanting to build that Pinterest board wedding that we all love and see, and you're doing it a do-it-yourself or you're doing it at an all-inclusive venue, it is likely to end up being cheaper at the all-inclusive venue because you're not having to bring in double the amount of suppliers and you haven't got other variables that you may not be aware of before you've started. You know, Maybe you need to level out the ground before you can put the marquee on the space. That's going to end up costing you yeah. so much. Considering our current climate, we do have a lot of time on our hands. So perhaps if you were considering doing that for 2021, now probably is a great time to get started because you've got that time and so do your suppliers. Yeah. And possibly if anyone who is looking at doing an, an all-inclusive wedding um, that we're calling it, that does still mean that there are parts that you can do it yourself in there. You might want to make your own place cards, do your own menus. You might want to make a really beautiful welcome sign on a chalkboard that you've hand-drawn yourself. There are elements of an all-inclusive wedding that you can still do yourself. So either, either end you're sitting on, whether you're going towards one or the other, with the spare time you have, you can start getting creative if that's what you like to do and that's your jam and do a bit yourself right now while you're at home for your all-inclusive wedding as well. What would be your some of your top tips for couples who are considering going down this path? I would say number one tip is invest in a wedding planner. You're going to need them at least on the day to set everything up because you have spoken to all your suppliers. You've got your furniture guy coming in. You've got your florist bumping in. You've got beautiful petals down the ceremony um, aisle that you're going to walk into. You are going to be busy in hair and makeup with your bridal tribe, chilling out, drinking champagne on the morning of the wedding. The last thing you want to be thinking about is trying to set up your ceremony space or your reception dinner on that day. So I would say get a planner at least to help you set up. Yeah, 100%. That's a really good point. And in terms of because you are bringing in all your suppliers yourself and starting, as you say, building it from scratch, you also need to coordinate and manage suppliers. And that takes time and effort. And you really need to be organized too. Yeah. And that all um, comes back to having that really clear vision. You as the bride or as your your wedding planner needs to have a very clear vision to make sure that all of your suppliers are working towards that same vision, to make sure that then on the day, everything that you have planned and everything you've built really does come to life. It's all about having that timesheet and the run sheet for all your suppliers on the day to know who has to be in first and who might need to wait for another supplier to finish their job before they can start. Um, it's also good to know what that particular venue does have does have that you can use. So if you're going to a space um, and there are some beautiful ones over in um, South Australia that are built to be DIY spaces, so they might actually give you the marquee, but you can do everything else yourself. Know what's included and know what they already have for you. And then that might reduce the list of supplies you have and make your life a little bit easier. Parking. If people are driving, where are they going to park on this space? You want to make sure that there are no cars around the either the ceremony or the reception space that are going to end up in the background of all of your photos. Also consider mm. generators. 
if you if they don't have any catering facilities on site and they don't have a kitchen, you're going to have to build a temporary kitchen for your caterers and then give them power as well. So there's a huge list of additional things that you're going to require. If you do go to a venue or a space that um, does do DIY more frequently or has done them in the past, they might even have a bit of a cheat sheet for you to say, this is what we have for you and this is what other brides in the past have bought in or what they've done with the space and this is their list of suppliers and that'll give you a really great starting point. There is actually so much to think about when you are building a wedding from scratch. So it is obviously a lot of hard work for a DIY wedding, but the blood, sweat and tears really do pay off when you see it all come together in the end and it's your absolute picture perfect day with every single thing that you wanted um, all there. Exactly. I think when a do-it-yourself wedding is done well and it's done by a very organized bride, they are phenomenal. They are like that fairy tale dream come true. And you've also created a very unique wedding that is uniquely yours. It is your and your you and your fiance yeah. and no one else. No one else can recreate that, even if they tried, because you have made you've created it from the very beginning through to the very end. And I think there's something really beautiful about that as well. What percentage of do-it-yourself weddings do you do compared to all inclusive ones? I would find that there's a bigger demand for an event planner or a wedding planner on a do-it-yourself wedding. Um, most of the brides that are wanting to do it DIY wedding start themselves and then we tend to get called in maybe six months four months before the wedding when they're going oh my god there is so much here to do (laughs) what have I forgotten please help me and I tell you what I love sweeping in then when you're looking at a smaller more intimate and possibly um, more cost-effective wedding going for an all-inclusive venue that's when you're going to get hit with that minimum spend or the venue hires that we talked about in the budgeting episode as well so you've got set hard costs that you really can't get around when you're doing a DIY you can avoid those costs because you don't have to pay the venue and you don't have to pay a certain amount for every person that's there it's completely flexible and you can build it out to look like what you want it to be I had an all-inclusive wedding I mean obviously I brought in my florist and um, and my DJ and stuff. But let's talk about some of the benefits, firstly, of all-inclusive weddings. What that means on my end is a venue that has everything there for you that you need to create a basic wedding. So that would be a space, a beautiful space that you can then decorate to your own style and your own taste. It also means that they've got all the furniture you're going to require for the the amount of people that are going to be at the wedding, depending on the size of the venue. It means they're going to have a kitchen. They're probably going to have a really light level of AV and they might even have a ceremony space for you. So they're going to tick off some of those big, I guess, structural things is what we say an all-inclusive wedding has. And then it's up to the bride to come in and style it um, and make it look and feel exactly exactly like she wants that space to. Number one benefit of an all-inclusive is it's all there. So it's all in one place. It has been tried and tested and it works. That venue knows what they're doing. The kitchen knows the timings. They know how quickly or how much time they need to get each dish out. They know the AV system works. They know how much space you need between each table to make sure that people, when they're moving their chairs out, aren't bumping into each other. And all those little things Mm. that you're going to have to consider yourself if you're doing a DIY, 
Um, I think you can also still customize things if they're not quite right for you. So if you're going for an all-inclusive space and same thing, if they've got black chairs and you really hate them and you want the really beautiful ghost chairs, which are those clear ones were on trend um, in 2019, you can hire them in. The venue should have storage space yeah. to move all of their chairs out for you. And, and if you're willing to take the extra cost of the chairs and that's really important to you, you can still customize and semi-DIY your all-inclusive wedding too. There are little things you can mod- modify and personalize to ensure that everything is to your taste and style. There is also the option of bringing your own in if you, you know, if you're a fan of black cutlery or gold cutlery instead. Weren't we all a fan of gold cutlery last year? That was like the number one trend. Everyone oh, wanted know. gold cutlery at their wedding. <laughs> um, it, was, it was like the number one request. I mean, the black cutlery though. Was it really? That's crazy, but I'm um, totally understandable. Black cutlery is so modern and fresh. I love it. And if you do a really simple table setting with that and some like minimal flowers on the table, oh, it can look so sleek and beautiful. Okay. So we've talked about obviously the benefits of the all-inclusive wedding, but what are some things we we need to consider if you are signing up to an all-inclusive wedding venue? Yeah, so an all-inclusive wedding venue is going to have a contract that they're going to ask you to sign. That's when you want to make sure you read what the um, minimum spend is, and that is, as we said, the cost you need to spend per person. Uh, Sorry, the minimum spend is how much you need to spend at a minimum to use that space. So the minimum spend on the venue might be, you know, twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars for a night, and then it might have a cost per head. So they might have set packages if you want um, a three-course meal or a four-course meal or a six-course meal. There'll be set prices per head. Also, read your cancellation policy or your postponed policy. Lessons learnt from this last month or two, yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. And then. And have a look at the menu um, and also the portion sizes and make sure that that menu feels sufficient to you. Um, You might be paying $150 per person for a three-course meal. And then you look at that three-course meal and go, wow, like all the men in the room are going to walk out starving. So we might need to add on some extra sides. The sides then might be, you know, an extra five or $10 per person. So just being really aware of what those costs are because you don't have the flexibility to decide what the catering is going to cost you and what the catering looks like. Um, completely customized like you would in a DIY space. You need to make sure you're comfortable with the menu and what's going to be served and the cost you're going to be spending to serve that food. And another big one uh, for an all-inclusive is also the alcohol packages too. Whether you choose an alcohol package or whether you um, pay over the bar or pay per drink, like there are a few different options when it comes to alcohol. And I know I struggled with this because I couldn't work out what was better value for money. Yeah, and the things to consider on that is they're called – a fixed cost per head or you pay on consumption. People are going to the bar, they're ordering possibly on a set menu. So you might say that only these five wines are available in this cocktail and this one spirit or no spirits at all. You decide what they are consuming still, but you pay per drink that is consumed rather than paying a set cost of you know $95 a head for unlimited drinks. Usually at a wedding, because they're such a huge celebration and everyone is there to party, I would say the Um, Cost per head is generally the safer option, especially if you're trying to work to a set budget, then it's not going to blow out as well and can sometimes end up being, I guess, the more cost-effective way to do it. You face your own challenges when you're trying to bring in your own alcohol because how much is enough? No one wants to run out of champagne Mm -hmm, at a wedding. 
So you've always you yeah. always need to you always need to overbuy, and I find that um, brides or couples, when we're doing a DIY wedding, we're talking about the alcohol. I'll have a suggestion to them on how much we should be buying to safely cover um, what the consumption will be on the day. And I've I've been to enough weddings in my time to know what is a safe estimate on how much people are going to drink. Uh, they they all order more because no one wants to run out. Um, and then you always end no, up with do a not want to be that wedding. <laughs> no, you end up with a couple of cases of champagne and wine and beer and a couple of bottles of spirits post wedding that you can take home with you. That's not the end of the world. I mean, you've you've paid for it, so at least you get to consume it, and you've got amazing drinks for the next twelve months for the two of you as well. Yeah, exactly. Of course, if you do have any more questions in relation to a do-it-yourself wedding or even an all-inclusive wedding, you can always um, send us a DM on our Instagram page at WordBooker. Well, we are so excited to have this lady on, Ash from Ash Quinn Makeup. Thanks so much for joining us on the pod. Thanks for having me. I'd actually love to know where your love for skin products and all things makeup started. Like, How did you become such an absolutely amazing superstar makeup artist? Well, thank you very much. It's very kind of you to say. Um, it's a bit of a random story, really. I would say, like a lot of you know teenage girls growing up, you know, you experiment with makeup, and I wore makeup and I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't say I was super passionate about it at that time. I've always been kind of creative. I liked art at school and that kind of thing, but life took me in a different direction, and I ended up working in TV and new media as a producer for a long time. In my spare time, I was watching a lot of YouTube, the whole beauty tutorial thing was really kicking off at that time and then that sort of kick-started my obsession with all things skincare and makeup so I started a blog of my own and started Instagram this is when Instagram was quite quite young and that became a real thing and then I thought you know what I'll just do a makeup course and I'd originally only intended to do it as a hobby for myself just a bit of a personal interest project and hadn't intended to do it professionally at all but I just loved it and then it became my side hustle and now it's my full-time gig. Let's tap into the makeup artist side of Ash Quinn. Um, obviously, you're very in demand for weddings. I know that I did reach out to get you to do my wedding, but you were already booked on that day, unfortunately. <laughs> I know. I was devastated. And that happens so devastated. often too. You're like, no, but when you're already committed to something else, you know, you just have to stick with it. That's the right thing to yeah. do. It's hard sometimes. <laughs> Totally. So let's talk about, um, okay, let's talk about some tips for some brides. What makeup looks should brides steer clear of on their wedding day? I think for bridal makeup, you really need to just think about who you are, like what makeup you like to wear, because it's very easy to look through bridal magazines or look through Instagram and you, know, you see these amazing images, especially editorial images, and they have you know, a really smoky eye or you know, just some kind of makeup look and it, it does look amazing, but you do need to think about how that's going to translate to you and your personality. And I just think you don't want to go with any trends. Bridal is that those photos are going to be a part of your life forever. They're going to be on your wall. You're going to look back at them in 10, 20, 30 years and you don't want to go with some trendy thing that's been around for a couple of years. You want to keep something very classic, something that's very just you at the core. Keep the trendy makeup for your hands and all that kind of stuff, but your actual wedding day makeup, I think, should just be about enhancing your own, you know, natural beauty and looking the very best version of yourself. So, steer clear of any trends. 
That's really interesting, Ash. And I actually find when I'm working with most brides or um, couples, everyone wants to go for that natural look. And I would actually love to know from a makeup artist's point of view, how, how do you pull off that natural look in real life? So you do still look like you on your wedding day, but then it to translate that you look really polished when you're in a photo? Yeah, it's definitely interesting because a lot of people assume that when they, when you want natural makeup, that you're not going to be wearing a lot of makeup. All of my brides are wearing a full face of makeup. They're wearing a lot mm-hmm. of makeup, but it doesn't look like they are. And that's, that's the key. So for me, it's um, like makeup wizardry. Really, Amazing. Yeah, totally. You, you need to make sure, especially with bridal makeup, professional photography captures makeup very differently to an iPhone and to how it looks in real life. So it's trying to find that balance between making the bride feel like the beautiful, you know, most beautiful enhanced version of herself when she looks in the mirror on her wedding day and her not being overwhelmed by the amount of makeup, but also when she gets her professional photos back, it's going to look beautiful as well. What would you recommend uh, to brides to be in the way of prepping their skin ahead of their wedding day? Are there any sort of facials or, or skin treatments that that we can do to and help enhance the skin to make sure it's the best possible canvas for someone like to you to work on on the actual day? Yeah, absolutely. And skin prep is so key. Um, I would say there's kind of two ways you can go about this. So a lot of it comes down to how much you're willing to spend and put into it. If you have the budget and you're wanting to treat yourself because it's your wedding, I absolutely recommend finding a really good facialist and maybe seeing them sort of six months out from your wedding so that you can start to work on your skin. You can see them even further in advance. It just depends how how much money you want to put into it. If you want to do 12 months of facials or six months, but six months is a good Mm -hmm. time to kind of go and see them. And especially if you don't really know, know too much about your skin, Skincare is a whole thing. Once you get into it, it's really quite complex. And we don't get taught this stuff at school. No one teaches you about skincare, really. So sometimes you're using products that aren't quite right for you. So seeing a facialist at least will help, you know, you identify what your skin type is like, what your skin needs. And then there's kind of two ways you can go about it. You can either continue to see them regularly and have facials and and really look after your skin that way with a professional through the whole time in the lead up to your wedding. Or if you are being a little bit more budget conscious and you don't want to spend money on facials every month, you can, I always recommend is maybe having one facial and then just kind of taking that information about what your skin type is like and then maybe putting a bit of money into products at home as well is really important. Um, so you spoke before about, um, you know, for brides, steer clear of trends. What are some other common makeup mistakes brides and also bridesmaids make on the wedding day? I think you just need to be very honest with yourself and be very honest with your makeup artist too. If you go for your trial and it doesn't feel quite right, that's what the trial's for, to change things, to try different things. You want to feel like yourself, but the best version of yourself. So, yeah, just being really honest with yourself and communicate well with your makeup artist. And then when it comes to bridesmaids, I think the biggest mistake, generally for me, brides tend to pick similar style makeup for their bridesmaids, but if the bridesmaids are left to pick their own makeup style, the one thing that I, I tend to get asked semi-regularly, which is always um, an awkward situation to be putting, is sometimes bridesmaids want something a lot more dramatic because that's their personal preference. They would normally wear something more dramatic. But I think you, as a bridesmaid, you need to just look yeah. at <laughs> the wedding as a whole and go, okay, it's not my day. I'm not wearing my 
my chocolate smoky eye that I would normally wear because the bride's wearing a <laughs> very glowy, blushing bride look and, you know, that's just not going to work, even though that is the style that they would normally wear, you know. So it is just trying to find that line between you want to feel good too as a bridesmaid, but you're not going to go too far outside the feel yeah. of the whole wedding. You can't sport that red lip if everyone else is going nude. I have been asked before by a bridesmaid. <laughs> so I always wear a red lip. I was like, okay, maybe not today. <laughs> <laughs> today is not about you. <laughs> today is not for the red lip. You can wear it later at the reception or something after all the photos are done. But, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll still see what we're really seeing at the moment, which is that beautiful, uh, glossy, quite fresh skin. I think that will stick around for quite a while. Um we're seeing already less of the Instagram influence, I'll say. So you see the Instagram makeup with the very intense eyebrows and uh, that kind of thing. That's definitely kind of gone. And I think we'll still see that natural sort of fluffier brow. And I'm noticing that a lot of brides are starting to go more towards that classic romantic look. So a lot of the less bronzer and a lot more sort of just the blush cheek and those kind of pinker tones, a slightly more berry lip, something a little bit more on the romantic side. So nice. Beautiful. So I know you said before that a bridesmaid can save that red lip for the reception. So what would be your tips on a nice simple way for a bride or a bridesmaid to change up their makeup look from the ceremony if they want it to be a bit more romantic to something a bit of fun at, at the reception? The lip's the easiest one to change. That's actually what I did for my wedding day. I so personally nice. love wearing a really like deep red lip or a bright red lip or any, I mean any lip color really these days. I love a bright lip, but my husband isn't <laughs> as much of a fan of the bright lip colors on me. So for my <laughs> wedding, that's exactly what I did. I just wore a very nude sort of nice peachy kind of lip for the ceremony and sort of half of our photos and then when I took off my veil I popped on some big chandelier earrings and I put on a really deep red lip and that's what I wore for the reception so the lip is a really easy one because you don't have to be an amazing makeup artist to put a lip color on Mm, I think that's actually perfect that's such a good tip in itself like get your husband or your fiance or your partner's feedback as well on what they like you to look like with your makeup too obviously always do you but I so agree I mean I was similar for my um wedding when my husband was like please don't walk down the aisle looking like you've just like a cake face doll because I don't wear much makeup so I think taking their feedback as well it definitely helps absolutely I get that a lot um Obviously, my makeup style is a little bit more on the sort of enhanced natural side anyway, but I do get a lot of brides who, when they come for their trials, are a little bit nervous because they don't wear a lot of makeup and then their fiancés are also very nervous. So I get quite a few say, oh, my you know, fiancé is pretty nervous. He doesn't like it when I wear makeup or he's you know worried that I'm going to look too overdone, which I can absolutely see where that fear comes from because you do see obviously all different types of looks and Um, sometimes they can be pretty intense and that's a lot for someone who doesn't wear makeup usually. So it's always really nice after a trial when I get a text from a bride or an email saying, oh, he loves it, you know, he thought I looked great. And it's nice to find that balance with both people being happy because I always say you want your fiancé and your guests to recognize you at your wedding. You don't want them thinking like, oh, wow, if she wasn't in a wedding dress, I wouldn't have recognized her. (laughs) And when it comes to makeup, I always (laughs) 
in a way, I don't even want people to notice the makeup, which sounds weird coming from a makeup artist, but I want people to look at a bride and think she looks amazing just as a whole. I don't want the makeup to be like, oh, whoa, look at her makeup. Like you shouldn't even really notice it, you know. It should just be the whole package. She looks amazing. If it's, you know, the eyeliner is so intense or something, you know, people will pick that up immediately. But if she just looks like the most beautiful version of herself, people will barely even notice it specifically, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so nice. So I guess the last one is a big one. And this was something I was really worried about myself. How do we make our makeup last for the entire wedding day? Like, is it blot papers? Is it touch-ups? Is it adding your lipstick every half hour that's in your bridesmaid's little bag for you? Like, what? how do we make it last for the whole day? Definitely a combination of factors here. So the first one is what we spoke about earlier, which is the skin prep and the lead up to the day. So to give you an example, I'll sometimes see a bride for a trial and they say I have really oily skin. By the end of the day, I'm an absolute oil slick. And a lot of the time, oily skin is dehydrated skin and that's why your body's creating all the oil to try and protect itself and it's sort of a vicious cycle. So in the lead up to the wedding, if you can get your skin concerns under control, whether that's oiliness, dryness, that kind of thing, and get your skin on more balanced, that will greatly help with just the longevity of makeup because your skin isn't trying to either absorb the makeup if it's really dehydrated or it's not, you know, producing so much oil that it's displacing things. So that helps on that side. Then obviously the next stage is your makeup artist and the products that they use. So your makeup artist should always be picking products that are going to work the best for your skin type. So that's everything from the skincare they apply before the makeup, the primers they pick and, you know, the foundation type, all those things. So bridal makeup, it should last. You shouldn't be having to touch up very regularly anyway. Then there's the setting spray and stuff at the end, which I use a stage makeup one, so it's pretty pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that always does the trick. But I always think it's a good idea, especially if you're oily or you do get a little bit shiny. Yeah, have a couple of blotting papers. I give those to my clients on the day. Lip is always um, one that I think you can't really expect to last, you know, a full 12 hours unless you're wearing... One of those sort of Especially if you're kissing your lips. new partner as well. Yeah, exactly. Having a few smooches, that kind of thing. So <laughs> the only ones that really last a very long time are the liquid ones that dry down, but they don't look very nice. So I don't, I don't personally like to use those on my clients um, unless they specifically request it and they wear that, you know, lip color or product all the time. I just think they look too dry and not very nice and they can get flaky and I just think you're asking for trouble with that um, in the long run. So, yeah, just having a lipstick and some blotting paper is always good. But generally speaking, if your skin is under control and your makeup artist uses the right products, your makeup should do a pretty good job of lasting through most of the night. Well, Ash, those uh, tips were all so invaluable. We can't thank you enough. You obviously have a lot of knowledge after, you know, studying so much when it comes to um, makeup and makeup artistry and also the time you invest in trialing products uh, for yourself and on your clients as well. Um, So we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing all that knowledge with our brides. Thank you so much for having me. And of course, guys, if you want to check out Ash Quinn, make sure you do. You can head over to her Instagram page. That's Ash Quinn with two N's, Ash Quinn Makeup. You can find her there. And honestly, it's a drool-worthy page of beautiful makeup, lots of inspiration there.
Awesome, Ash. Thank you. So easy. Thanks so much, ladies. Ask Ali. We got sent some really good ones, but this one in particular is from Megan in Geelong in Victoria. Now she says, I found my dream wedding dress, but it costs $3,000 more than we had allocated in our budget. How do I hide that cost from my fiance? Oh, Oh, Megan, you are very, very funny. I love this. This is tough because I don't want to like... I don't want to say the wrong thing because her fiance might get angry at me then as well. I become the middleman. <laughs> we won't tell anyone. <laughs> um, I, I guess if you're if you're working to put a set budget and you don't have any any more money to play with, then you have to keep your dress within that cost. Maybe look at other areas of the wedding you might be able to pull back the costs from. So if the if the dress is number one most important thing to you, what's number two and what's number three? And would you be willing to let go of some of that cost in there? Maybe it's in your flowers um, or maybe it's in your bridesmaids dresses or your makeup artist or your hair artist so that you can have that dream dress. I guess that's the only way to make it still fit in the same budget or ask your fiance to buy a cheaper suit so that you can have the better dress. But that was a tricky one. Oh, my God. Good luck with that conversation. (laughs) It's not like it's a couple of hundred bucks. It's three grand. I know. Or you could get creative and with all the downtime we have at the moment, go through your wardrobe and start selling some of your designer pieces or some clothes or shoes. Shoes are always really easy to sell that you're not wearing much anymore and try and dwindle together $3,000, then technically you haven't spent any additional money because you've sold things to buy things. It's a exchange. That's a very good point. (laughs) (laughs) That is so hard, but I mean, that's the best I can do for you. I do have another one for you. This is from Katie in Perth. This is a bit of a tricky one too because um, I don't know how I'd go about this. Okay, no. so Katie says, <laughs> I want to dump my makeup artist. I found someone else who I think is better for the same price, but how do I go about doing that? Okay, when you started that, I thought you were going to say, I want to dump my fiancé. And I was like, oh, well, my God, could you imagine? You, you won't have a wedding. So. <laughs> We've got a few more issues to deal with. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a big, that's the curly question. Um, if you want to dump, yeah. dump, dump your makeup artist and go for another one. Um, I've actually been in this situation before um, with a, a bride um, that I was working with and I sort of said to her, sit back and think about why you booked that makeup artist in the first place. You probably booked them because you loved their work or you booked them because you like what you've seen um, them do before or you've seen them at a friend's wedding or you've got a really good relationship with them. You've probably been following their Instagram for a while. So there are reasons that you liked them and there are reasons that you booked them. So maybe consider if you're having one of those pre-wedding moments where you're second guessing every decision you're making and wondering if there's a better one out there. We all do it with the dress and we, we do it with the shoes and maybe you're doing that with the makeup artist as well, where you've probably booked your dream makeup artist, but you're just wondering if that is actually the right decision because you only get one shot at this. Chat to your bridesmaids. They might be able to tell you if you're being irrational um, and a bit of a bridezilla or if it is is a decision that um, is right for you and if there is actually a makeup artist that is going to be there be um, better for you and that's quite possible and if you found one that you love more and they fit in your budget as well then I think go ahead it's your dream day make sure you have your absolute dream squad there to um, bring it together for you but you will lose the deposit you've paid to your 
the first makeup artist. It is only fair that you lose that deposit because they have held that date for you and for your wedding day. And so by you no longer going with them, they then don't have another job that they possibly could have booked on that day. So it just means you're taking on, you know, that and a half of a cost when you're looking at your next makeup artist. Yeah, and that's so true. It is fair because they probably knocked back work because they had already been booked by you. But I do see where Katie's coming from because, you know, the makeup artist is the very first part of your day. So you want to make sure you're comfortable with that person and, you know, you're happy uh, with the makeup artist because they're the, they're the people that kind of help to set the tone at the be- mm. beginning of the day. So, yeah. yeah, if you're sure you found your dream makeup artist, maybe it's worth losing that deposit. Yeah, it, it's completely up to you and what you would be most most comfortable with. Uh, you might even be able to chat to that makeup artist that you've already booked and say to them, I'm looking at going with someone else, which would be a bit of an awkward conversation, but they might be willing to move your makeup session forward for your hens or for your bridal lunch or your kitchen tea or whatever it is so that you can still use them and you don't lose that full deposit if they're willing to be flexible with you on that date and moving it forward or back. Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah, I like that. Well, hopefully that helps Katie and they are our Ask Ali questions for today. Of course, if you would like to ask Ali any questions, all you have to do is send us a DM at our Wedbooker Instagram page. That's at Wedbooker. We do have something for all our beautiful podcast listeners. We're offering 10% off all Wedbooker concierge packages, helping you to find your dream supplies and venues, plus a one-on-one with Ali. All you have to do is head to wedbooker.com.au, click on wedding concierge packages. There you'll answer a few questions so we know what your dream wedding looks like. And then at the end, you enter the code word WEDPOD for your 10% off. Well, it looks like that is all we have time for in this episode. It was a big one. It was a huge one and we hope that we helped you make the decision between a DIY or all-inclusive wedding to find out what is right for you um, for your dream day. And we also hope you loved our chat with the amazing, delightful and talented makeup artist, Ash Quinn. Yeah, and next week we are going to be talking about weekday weddings which are set to trend in 2021 and why you should consider one. Plus, we'll have another incredible guest on the show. Can't wait. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wedding Digest podcast brought to you by Wedbooker. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and let us know what you think by leaving a review. You can also find us on the gram at Wedbooker to start planning your dream wedding or for one-on-one wedding advice from Ali, head to wedbooker.com where you'll also find show notes and more info on any of our amazing guests and suppliers.